0: Hello RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me today, we I have Scott, Finder, and Antra. Nice nice to see you all. It's been I feel like it's been forever, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I've missed you guys.
1: It, it, it's been a couple weeks for me, for sure.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's been like, what, three weeks for you? Although I think it's only been two weeks for the audience.
2: Yeah, I uh, guess. Maybe. Yeah. That's weird. It's it's like time traveling. I don't understand what <laughs> happens. <so. laughs>
0: it is. So, on today's episode, uh, we don't have a theme. We're not... <laughs> <laughs> Instead, what we're going to be talking about is Scott, Finder, and Audra all went to a con together. And I am super jealous and because I'm Canadian, of course, I miss out on all the
1: good stuff. <laughs> so... I'm disappointed that you didn't set a theme though because now we can't get off topic right yeah, well, if the whole episode's off topic then
2: <laughs> I mean kind of also you didn't really miss i mean you miss spending thousands of dollars so
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I don't miss that so anyway, so
1: how was the con I'm curious um I tell you what, I'm going to have Audra go for a non-gamer. True. And uh, we'll get the non-gamer perspective.
2: We can interrogate her.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell us what we want to know.
3: Uh, well. <laughs>
1: so, so this is your first con, right? This is your first yeah. convention of any sort. Yeah. Okay.
3: I mean, I've walked past one before and seen all the crazy costumes and funny people, you know, but um, there were plenty of those, which is fun to look at. Uh, lots of vendors, a lot of vendors, um, which was fun. Uh, I think they were definitely unorganized and, and there was no schedule. So there might have been cool things to do or see, but they really didn't plan it. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> That part wasn't so hot, but but uh, Scott led a great game. He had a fun idea. And as far as me gaming for really the first time, um, I really enjoyed it. It was, oh. it was fun. I mean, I, I liked the idea. I liked the adventure. Um, I wish there were more people involved and that we could have, like, finished the game. But, you know. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll sound weird, but like she said, is uh, most cons have like gaming schedules. And, like, hey, you start at eight and then you can wrap up and you know, like, oh, I'm doing this and doing that. But this didn't have that. So we just sat around and BSed a little bit. And then we decided to start a game. And then another person joined. He'd never played Savage Worlds before. And then Rich tried to get a, a fucking annoying person to join.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Which, maybe
2: want to kick fucking rich in the chest, but I'll get into him too. Cause I have his character sheet. So, and when I read that today, unpacking everything, I was getting re angry.
1: <laughs> uh, so what was the name of the con? Tupelo con.
2: Tupelo. Come on. God Where are you from? Tupelo. As in Tupelo, I, Mississippi. Mississippi.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was Tupelo. <laughs> yeah. As in the town. And by the way, thank you for saying the game was 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 enjoyable.
1: So, oh, it was. I it was a fun that. game. And you technically
2: finished it. We we did a few hours, and then uh, I told you how it was going to end. So.
1: <laughs> well, it was going to end with a TPK because of something stupid that I would have done. But true statement. We uh we were able to bypass that.
3: I don't know. I yeah. know why she blew the hole in the wall. <laughs> she she did she
2: did blow the hole in the wall. I mean, she um, did that for her for, if that was. Really, if that's your first experience, so I, I said this, and we can get back to interrogating about the about the cons. She's <laughs> a great, she's she's a really good player, um, like solid role playing is on point. Um, like her character nickname, I think, came to the table within seconds um, for her operator handle, and then uh, she, so like she, she's got the new player benefits because she's yeah. not trapped in the game mechanics. And so she's willing to do crazy things. And that's how a hole in the wall happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you guys want to tell that story? I'm curious.
2: Well, I don't know. Do you want to ask more questions about the con or how it's, it's it, I guess it's free nature, right? So
0: yeah, so it's, we're, not, we're not trying to, yeah, we're not trying to be specific. This was literally an episode. Sure. That's all supposed to be us being off topic. So it's perfect. Sure. But you guys have mentioned it a few times and I, I, I it would probably suit better later on, but I'm too curious. Let me know.
2: No, you're fine. What did you guys what What did you think of the vendor prices? Since this is your both of your first time going to a con,
1: uh, let's see. So, in terms of stuff, well, I, I guess I'll let Audra talk first because really the only stuff that we bought were dice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I bought some dice because, like an idiot, I <laughs> left mine at home. <laughs> Um, and I
2: told I, you I brought dice for you and then he went ahead and bought dice. Do you want to talk about the dice you guys bought?
1: Well yes, but that's what I want to get. Audra's thoughts first, and then I will give my thoughts because we might have different thoughts. So Audra. So to set the stage, um I knew Scott had dice, but I'm like, you know what? I gotta bite it. I haven't bought physical dice forever. Um I don't want to taint Scott's dice with my Rolling curse. Uh,
0: And let me tell you what. That shit is real at a physical table. (laughs) Keep going.
1: Um, So uh, the the first thing I did, we got into the con. uh, So we're we're lined up outside. We pre-ordered our tickets. And it's like 150 degrees (laughs) in Mississippi, in the shade, with humidity like 95%. It was horrible. And we get to the con, and first of all, I'm thinking, this is a place I've never even heard of. Um, It's, by the way, it's the birthplace of Elvis Presley, Mm -hmm. and we... Elvis Presley was born in (laughs) Tupelo. There you go. (laughs) So, you know I'm not lying when Siri says it. That's amazing. Thank Um, you, Siri. So... So we, uh, we get to the hotel and we try to check in and like, Oh yeah, we don't have any rooms. You got to kill two hours. And we're like, well, we're not really all that hungry, but let's go find some place to eat. And we're like, where would you recommend? And the first thing I-, I found this out later, the first thing the lady recommends was the blue canoe, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but it was closed. And so then she's like, well, we've got O'Charlie's and we've got this. And if you don't want the chain stuff, then you're going to have to go downtown. And we're like, we don't know where downtown is. Well, you go out and hang <laughs> up. So we just hang a and we drive. And we found this place called Bulldog Burgers. And you walk in and there's a big CO on the back wall. We're like, what the heck is that CO for? So um, we, we had a good lunch uh, at Bulldog Burgers. Then we're like, we still have time, so let's go see Elvis Presley's birthplace. And as some, as one of the locals there said, "Yeah, that takes about thirty seconds." True story. It took (laughs) (laughs) thirty seconds. Just long enough for us to walk through and get or get back to the hotel and get checked in. So then we go to the con, and for how small this place is, I was really surprised at how many people were there. Um, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting a line outside the, the building. Um, and so we had to stand in line. Fortunately, there were some shade trees Mm. and, uh, I I'm looking and I'm like, man, I hope I'm in the right place because I pre-ordered tickets. Um, and I hope we were in the right place. And then as the line starts moving, I do see that the door we're walking in says pre-sales, But then I'm also looking and the place that was for people that were purchasing tickets the day of, there was hardly any line. I'm like, oh, man, I am so tempted to just buy the tickets a second time to get out of this heat. Uh, So I I texted Scott like, hey, we're here. Where are you? Like, you'll see me. It's it's just open space. So we get in and I'm like, I got to buy dice and so Otter and I went and bought dice and the dice that I bought was uh gemstone dice. So I got mm-hmm. a pair of, or I got a set of opal dice. Um, I can't remember what you said you got. I can't
3: remember what stone it is. It's orange and sparkly. So yeah, it, it was, it was
1: sparkly. And <laughs> unfortunately these sparkles don't get all over the place. Um, and then I bought a, a set of metal dice because I needed to have at least two six sided <laughs> dice. And I'm like, why buy cheap dice? so i bought the the gemstone and the metal dice and we paid a price for them and your thought on the price because i think that was the original question is what what oh i think it was
3: expensive but i wasn't expecting it to be you know not expensive i mean
2: yeah
3: i mean anytime you go to a fair or anything like that any kind of convention stuff's pretty overpriced so um the only other thing i looked at was some leather bound books that people made and stuff like that that lots of uh crafts and things that people had done which were which were nice and i don't think they were too overpriced but still yeah you know, yeah
1: okay and my thought on the pricing for the dice i didn't think the dice were that expensive i mean it was 75 bucks for a full set of opal 75 bucks for a full set of whatever it is that audra got yeah um and, and when it comes to gemstones, I mean I've seen more expensive gemstone dice than what they were charging. So yeah. um for me And they're
2: beautiful. Those opals are beautiful.
1: Oh, they were gorgeous. I it's it's sad that I have to crush them all because of the way they rolled, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um the 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 books that Otter was talking about I thought were cool looking. I I, I felt they were as a guy that writes and likes to have journals and things like that, I thought they were impractical. So it's like they were pure novelty in my opinion, but they would be awesome as props for like, like, like Scott, I know you said you do lo- a lot of props and things like that. Yeah. There was one book there that was $500. But yeah. It was like <laughs> 500 pounds.
2: Yeah. And- it was gigantic. It was like the size of like a, like a wizard's tome you'd find in an adventure
0: Oh
1: shit! and and the paper was cool. I mean, it wasn't like your typical white lined paper or even your, your uh, like just regular art paper. It it was really cool looking paper. So, I mean, it looked old, it looked impressive. And uh, even like the regular other, the, the regular size journals that weren't that big. Uh, looked really cool but i'm i'm i was thinking to myself i, I would never write on that um it would just be a pain in the butt to to write anything in that book so
3: well it was more for watercolors and sketching and things
1: like that yeah so but yeah, i mean th- th- that was cool th- their, their prices for the nerf guns i thought were <laughs> now th- this is uh just as we were walking past the nerf maze and i almost was uh, tempted to say, Scott, I will buy your ticket for you to go in there and destroy everybody. (laughs) (laughs) They had this this (laughs) maze where you buy a Nerf gun and then you go into the maze and you shoot other people with the Nerf gun and you get to keep the Nerf gun when you're done with it. Right. So the Nerf guns look pretty cool. The one that I heard, the, the one price I heard thrown around was $85 for one of the guns. And I'm like, eh, but yeah. I mean, it looked cool they painted it up so it didn't look like a nerf gun with the bright- <laughs> Well
2: they're all they're all painted gray, so
1: Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> but it still didn't look it still was better than the blue and orange. Classic,
2: yeah. You
1: could, you yeah. See. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really wanted to see Scott go in there and destroy <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> I needed a nerf knife as well. <laughs> Many people vanish behind curtains. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, but yeah, awesome. so that, that, that so the vendor stuff. I mean, I, I didn't really look at all the prices for the other stuff, yeah. But, so, yeah. price wise, price wise, the, the admission to the con was cheap. I mean, it was like 20 bucks for the entire weekend. So.
2: <laughs> that's still so highway robbery. Well, oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what it is, I agree. I mean, and so, from Audra's perspective, my take on the con is this was my first con. um it's definitely not a gamer's con.
2: Yeah, that was weird.
1: Uh, I, I I really wish, especially when they when they contacted Scott and said, "Hey, we want you as like our special guest for the for gamers," but there were you had no idea who gamers were because they had what maybe fifteen twenty tables all clustered together. Yeah, and people just showed up and and you pick a table. I mean, there there was. Like Audrey said, there's no schedule, or even Scott said, there's no schedule uh, for when games are running. You had no idea what games were being played, and people would just show up and sit at a table. And so half the table seemed to be occupied by people that were just taking a break. Yeah. Um, then you had some like board game type stuff going on. It looked like somebody was trying to get a D&D game going. I don't know. Uh, I missed that. There was, yeah, I have no clue. There, there were very few games going, and mm-hmm. with no schedule, I don't think people were comfortable just walking up because, like the the other guy that was playing, the guy that played uh, Mister Boom, we we kind of really had to say, "Hey, dude, come in and play." I mean, because he he wanted to watch, we're like, "Why watch? Play just yeah sit down and play." But people were kind of. Weird, I don't know. Yeah,
3: strange because I mean, if Scott was supposed to be an invited guest, a special guest, there was no acknowledgement at at all. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody would know that he was a special guest and that he was supposed to, you know, run them through a game and it was supposed to be special. There was no special, so
2: no, yeah, not at all. They didn't get the webpage updated except to cancel out the two dudes from Clerks who, you know, we got told later on they they had to cancel because they got COVID. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Didn't, did you have like a booth or anything or were you literally no just like-
2: nothing I had an extra sticker on my badge that said guest and I was like cool and then we were talking because we didn't see anything inside and I was like um, the one dude who had gotten everything rolling to get me down there I was just like Hey, I'm going to need some water. Do you guys sell shit? And he's like, well, they got a little cafe. We don't know. You know, he kind of hemmed and hawed about, look, I don't know if you can walk. I was like, first off, you tell me there's any room in this building. I'm walking the fuck in it, and none of you fucking nerds are going to stop me. I'm already aware of that. So, and I know you got some, you know, pseudo alpha nerds in here, but I'm going to tell you they're going to back down away from me because they also have, you know, the, out the the, uh, the, like the fucking pirate dude who thought he was a tough guy. I was like, bro, you're like six foot two, maybe my height. But your belly is also about my width, so <laughs> don't fuck around, you know. And, and, you know and, and I know I talk a lot of shit about my size, but now Rich has laid eyes on me. I am not a small person.
1: He's not a small person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am not a fat nerd either. But so. <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners, when I tell you I will move you, I will fucking move you. I will go back <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> This is how it is. But yeah, and so that was the thing is like, I just wanted some water. And then he's like, well, it's a VIP room. We don't know. I was like, I'll go back there. I don't give a shit. They ain't special. You got the crackhead from Fast and Furious. Some chick from Supernatural was a show I don't watch because I'm not a 15 year old girl. And uh, the little dude who was in, he played the little janitor in Scrubs and the little pirate in Pirates of the Caribbean. And he spoke for like, what, three minutes, five minutes and then vanished.
1: Well, and that's the thing i mean who knew when any of them was going to be talking right yeah but- nothing
3: yeah, and the only reason we knew he even did is he was finished and dropped the microphone and made it squeak you know <laughs> so- yeah, that was crazy
1: yeah that was odd
2: i was like i don't know I maybe mean, he realized it was hot garbage too but yeah when 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 she said there's no schedule there's like literally no, no schedule. schedule not Jesus. not a, not a thing there was no announcements
0: no planning
1: Except for the the guy, the the pirate guy trying to get everybody excited by constantly yelling, are you excited to be here? Or whatever it is he's doing. It's like, dude, no, we're trying to play a game.
2: Yeah, like, no, bro. Yeah, I mean, good news is is we made some connections. We talked to one of the artists who I knew him from Kickstarter, but I didn't know who it was until he said something. Uh, And then I was like, oh, I backed your stuff before. And then I talked to the dudes who wrote, uh, tortured Earth, and talked to them about some of their stuff to help them kind of on the path to Kickstarter, and then uh, another company that I don't know. Oh, so the dude who was helping us was it? never mind. It doesn't matter what his name is. He was kind of just a boomer, right? Am I wrong on yeah. that?
0: No, no. Yeah, he's a
2: boomer, so he had boomer thoughts, and like you could tell on people's faces when he was trying to dis- describe shit. And like I went from you know winning Ennies to winning a uh, Oscars and like I blew Moby Dick and like I was like dude you just you're all over the map on this bro I was like you need to sit down and then he sat down and then Rich handed him a fucking character choice and I was like, why would you do this Rich now
1: I, to be fair though I didn't know <laughs> he, I, I just saw some dude sitting around talking and I'm like hey let's get a game going
2: <laughs> oh my god
3: but he was still, so you got lucky
2: no so the three of the players that we had and i was trying to Here, i was hold hoping on he...
0: one second uh i said let's get to that in a little bit Arthur, okay. how how was your uh how was your experience we got finders and with the prices and all that what was your, how was yours
3: uh with the game or the con itself
0: the con itself
3: um <laughs> Hesitation is honesty. All the vendors and oh, okay, we don't really need this, and let's, do, let's not buy that or whatever. And and you know we weren't playing the game anymore. So other than that, I mean, let's go to lunch. So
0: yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I really that that was kind of it. I mean, the people were interesting to look at, but really it, there was just nothing going on. And if there was, we didn't know about it. And yeah. You know, we could have played the game in the motel room. (laughs)
2: Yeah, while you're bullshitting, right? That's the weird thing. And then Rich said it, too. He's like, we should have just come to Memphis. And so when people are probably wondering, like, oh, the game. So when I say most cons start at, like, 08, this con started at 10, which is the weirdest time ever, with no start times.
1: Saturday, different time on Sunday.
2: Yeah, Sunday was not till noon, so that's why we all pulled chocks because it was just like, no, not doing that. Um, Yeah, that was really weird. 'Cause we didn't really start playing until eleven thirty, almost twelve, and we didn't really we played for a handful of hours before we went to lunch. We got a late lunch, so
0: it honestly kinda sounds like you just went to like a gamer's like farmer's market.
2: You have no idea.
1: <laughs> farmers
2: <laughs> market's being generous. That's a good it's a good descriptive though.
1: Now now I will say though, I've got a i have got I was somewhat impressed with the stamina of some of the people there because I mean <laughs> We were, there were people dressed up full-blown Charizard-type Oof. costumes, and it's yeah. like, man, I'd hate to be you right now, because there's no way for you to get air movement at all. No.
2: And almost every Mandalorian, there's like La Mandalorians, of course, oh, and yeah. they all had their masks off, because, you know.
1: <laughs> but that's not the way. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's
2: definitely not the way, so I don't know what you're cosplaying as. Um. <laughs> cosplay as an athlete for a few more weeks before you put that thing on. Um, and then uh, there was a prostitute cosplayer, so she kept making the rounds.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, isn't that uh, fairly standard? That's how I picture most cons is going to be that.
2: Yeah, it was just a little joke we had made. A lot of it. Cosplay is a lot of attention-seeking personality types. So, and then, you know. I don't know what your character is other than if you're, you know, doing, turning tricks for meth, I'd be like, oh, I get that character now. It makes all total sense.
0: (laughs) Sounds so weird.
2: Yeah. I'm an ass.
0: (laughs) Well, as someone who's never gone to a con at all i'm just like i'm just hearing this i'm like these don't sound like the stories that scott has told us in the past
2: no because normally i go to mace which is a con designed around gamers and the nerds running around dressed uh, i'm gonna calm down the ones who go dressed in cosplay they're few and far between because no one gives a shit and like that's a con that runs games like hundreds of games literally from friday saturday and sunday like deep into the wee hours of the morning, like you can be gaming at two o'clock in the morning if there and there are still people around because it is what it is, but it's very regimented and you know what your game is. You know what, you know what room you're going to be in cause it's in the Hilton, the basement and they have all these rooms divided up down there. The whole con takes over and then every table has a table number within that room. So you're like, you know, you're in, you know, you're at table 22F and, you know, I'm room 22, and I'm going to go to F and you're there's still a lot of tables, but it's very regimented and I, I, you need that in a con. You You can't have this, like Lucy Goosey, and that's why I feel bad for Audra and, and Rich. Is like I know they want the game, and I'm like, like clearly just the two of the two of you, so we can start playing. And then like the said, dude showed up, and then it's, but you just the intention is sort of like I guess you just wait for people to show up. And I'm like, we're three hours into a game. You're not gonna sit down and start playing. <laughs> it's not gonna happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and and one of the things that I was hoping to do was be able to play with Scott. Right. So as us with as characters together, because I don't think we've ever had characters in the same game, other no. than you're playing the NPCs that you're GMing. Yeah. And so we were like, man, it'd be really cool if we could get into a cyberpunk game together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would have been really cool to get into any game. Heck, I would have played 5E. Fuck bullshit.
2: If I would have noticed a D&D game, yeah, we would have packed up. Uh, We could have turned around and been like, can you run D&D in about four hours or two hours when we go to lunch and come back? (laughs) (laughs) But there is literally, that's how, I mean, there was really no one around us. One dude was running Battletech, which uh, I'm not interested, you know, so, and then I think that was it. The one guy was doing Tortured Earth, which also wasn't like, I don't know, it looked like it was a board game more than anything, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and
1: there was a Jumanji game. Looked, although I yeah. got to say, the Jumanji bricks were like humongous. I mean, you're talking like two by four type Jumanji set.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, not Jumanji. Um
1: Jenga. Or Jenga.
2: Jenga. Yeah. Jeez. I
1: wish it was Jumanji because it had those crazy monkeys.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He, said J- he said Jumanji and I was like,
1: what fucking Jumanji game was it? I don't remember seeing that. <laughs> um, <Jenga. laughs> <was like> two <laughs> by fours.
2: Oh, Jenga
1: the idiot. I, I've been yeah. driving for like 10 hours today. That's,
2: that's true. I I, I feel, I, and I do, I told them both already multiple times. I feel really bad that they basically blew all money and time.
1: Oh, and, and you know, though. Say hi. The thing, and, and I say no need to because I had a good time. I, I oh. had fun. I got to meet somebody in person that I wanted to meet. <laughs> Otter um, and I got away for a weekend. Yay. Yes. Uh, it was fun. I mean, I, 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 I am not disappointed in the weekend. I'm disappointed yeah. in the con, yeah, but not the weekend. Um, I, I had a great weekend. so yeah, true. it was
2: good, it was a good meeting you guys. Yeah. So that was fun.
3: Well, it was definitely not a con like you see on TV, you know like no. it was not up to any kind of idea I might have had in my head. But the weekend was definitely fun. Just to get away, Scott, you're hilarious. It was so much fun. <laughs> Meals I are and stuff, so it was great.
1: I will say, um, <laughs> if, if you if you're going to go to a bar, take Scott with you. I,
2: what I told you, I have the ability to make friends everywhere. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's absolutely true. I mean, it was. We we did end up going to the Blue Canoe, um, which was I mean they had they had. Good food. I mean, it yeah. was. I, I've never had a salmon BLT before, so I got to have a salmon BLT. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it was.
3: It, they almost convinced the pregnant bartender to name her baby R two D two. She's saying,
2: We were, we had her on the ropes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You may have gotten her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, we'll never know because I'm not going back there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not a chance hell.
2: I'll never be back there. <laughs>
1: But, I mean, I do want to, like, go to a real a real gaming con. Like, I'm yeah. not so much interested in San Diego Comic-Con or no. any of the Comic-Cons. But I would love to go to, like, Mace or yeah. Gen Con. And yeah. the great thing is Gen Con literally is, like, two hours away from me in Indianapolis now. So oh, that's cool. Uh, at some point, I should go to Gen Con.
2: Sure, yeah. I'm, you're close, man.
1: I'm just afraid <laughs> of Gen oh. Con. <laughs> no,
2: and there's a lot going on. And it's like you got to take like if you drive, it's it's just kind of it, it's crazy because it's like Disneyland, you know. So
1: and that was the thing is like I, I actually tried to go to Gen Con one time. This was let's see. Hannah, this would have been in the 2002, 2003 time frame because my youngest kid had just been born. And so my wife had taken him to Arizona to go meet the grandparents. And I was left in Kentucky with my three oldest kids, who at that point, uh, let's see, the youngest was about four or five years old. And so I'm like, hey, let's go to Gen Con. I've got my kids. Well, I know I'm not going to get to play games, but let's go see what Gen Con's about. And so we made the drive to Indianapolis. And I, uh, on the way there, there was actually this Crayola. Crayola was celebrating some anniversary, and so they had this... Roving uh, RV thing, and so we stopped there. So the kids go could go through there. They got crayons and uh, window paints and all sorts of stuff. So they just totally drew all over my car. Um, <laughs> and then I got to I got to the convention center where Gen Con was, and the line was like around three different blocks. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, let's just go to the museum. And and so we hung out at the museum for the day, and then we went back home. But so that's the part that scares me about Gen Con is just the sheer number of people. Yeah. So, but but yeah, at some point I still need to go to an actual gaming convention because I, I would like to go to a gaming convention.
2: I'll tell you what, like if you do want to do it next year, um, maybe Audrey wants to come nerd out again. I know Chuck, will, my friend Chuck, who helps with game stuff, and we always go to Mace and so... And we'll, you know, we'll share with you guys our schedule and you can see the schedules anyway when you're scheduling stuff. And so, yeah, we can we usually bounce ideas off of you like, hey, I'm going to run this many games and then we'll join up with these games and we'll usually find something that's you'll find a game for anything you want to do. And then, you know, and then we'll usually jump into a games together and stuff just to terrorize the table. And with four madmen at a table would be amazing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, and I was uh, as soon as you said Mace, I'm like, well, let me see when Mace is this year, and it looks like it's. Uh, you said it's Veterans Weekend, so Veterans
2: Weekend, yeah, it's the uh, yeah, so
1: November weekend. 11th, I think. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'll be in Arizona at that point. So yeah, I'm like, oh, maybe next year then.
2: And they have a Mace West, but I don't know what's happening with that because like Mace is going through some changes right now. But yeah, we can deal with that offline. But yeah. So, in general, not specifically. In general, uh, Audra, what do you think of role playing games? J- just in general, now that you've had a semi experience.
3: Oh, I think they're great. I mean, I told you that I have a you know theater degree, so imagination, you know, playing the role—that's fun for me. So I, I just thought it was great.
2: Nice. Yeah, I got a. Uh... I got the first lashing uh, when we were talking about the mission and that was the exact quote was uh, like, I have a theater degree, so I need to understand what the hell we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was great. Well, good. Nice. Yeah, man. I also, I'm going to pick her brain from now. I'm going to start sending messages through Rich uh, to her about uh, Pitch Perfect because we discussed
1: that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just so you know, I I I tried to prep Audra uh, to meet Scott. I'm like, okay, just so you gotta know, maybe he's got the mouth of a sailor. Be prepared for that. And um, and I said, and his favorite movie is Pitch Perfect. And she's like, is it really though? Or does he just say that to like throw people off?
2: <laughs> so now, do you believe it, both of you?
3: Well, I don't know. You're never sing the sing the tunes too much. We had that
2: conversation. I cannot sing. I, <laughs> I am like I am tone deaf, Justin. During the uh, tryout phase for the for uh Bardon University clubs, I can't sing a note. I can't hear the difference in tones and pitches. I hate myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I will say he, he had an astonishing uh, breadth of knowledge about Pitch Perfect uh, <laughs> if, if, if it is just shock value he's done enough research to <laughs> throw me off of oh, yeah I told
2: you about, I'll quote that shit around the house where I'm humming something here and Wendy's like what you humming <laughs> like, <"No>, shut up <laughs> <laughs> And Like he's doing something. Please don't stop. This. Please don't stop. This. what is that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's definitely not the opening song for Pitch Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So good. Well, I'm glad you had a, you know, at least a positive experience. There are some people who come away from their first experience role playing games a very negative experience, um, especially. So we can have a good. We can have a little bit of fun time. Normally. Uh, And it shouldn't be normal, but the horror story side of normally is when women get to the gaming table for the first time, their characters have a higher probability of ending up naked prisoners. (laughs) And I don't know why.
1: Yeah. Let's go back to the eighties. <laughs> yeah, I don't
2: know why it's this. That happened last year at the con game. I told you guys about it in the maze game. We were bringing the one, the only girl at the table. We were bringing her in, and we were like, I was like, all right, so like, where's her character? He's like, oh, we we're gonna meet her. I was like, oh, okay, cool story. Like, we're gonna pick up an as assassin because I think that's what she's playing. And I'm like, let you see her and laying on a slab with <laughs> was was like sex doll implants running. I was like, now, now we're done. Oh, I can't do this! Oh, you fucking mincel virgin! God, why? <laughs> I can say Audra's character definitely was not a uh, a helpless damsel in distress.
3: Uh, no, in fact, they had to come rescue their.
2: <laughs> Sorry, cool. she was probably the most. She dealt the most damage in the entire game repeatedly. <laughs>
1: Well except for except for Mr. Boom who had an a, an exceptional shot on your bad game. Oh,
2: true statement. He did roll uh, high damage and I we were running out of time and patience and I knew we had to get lunch yeah. and I was getting hangry and so I was like okay cool I do I had I told these guys I had an idea of what to do and then where we went from there it was going to be up to whatever they were doing and nose, being nosy bodies and once we got to a certain point I was like oh, okay Here's the three things that need to happen, and Audrey was helping that out immensely by being nosy and aggressive, but like an operator aggressive, which was great. Uh, and then, you know, Rich was being rich and failing every dice roll.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, I had
2: like th- all the bennies in the box potentially in front of me because of him. And then, uh, and then Mr. Boom was brand new, never played Savage Worlds, w- opened up with a, I think just a single single burst. Yeah. <laughs> did bird. all the damage. All the damage possible in Savage. <laughs> he,
1: did, he did six wounds in yeah. one shot. And Scott's like, <laughs> no, I can't. Man. And, and I mean, you spent like four or five bennies trying to soak it. Yeah, of course. I wanted to have the, the wild card bag. I get up. <laughs> I was like, like, Oh, ghouls, cool. they're no problem. Yeah, I was like, this is <laughs> yeah.
2: shit. Now i have to die. I just got to surround him with something. And so that's what we did. But yeah, so that was good. So I'm glad your first experience, or you know, air quotes. I don't know if it was actually your first experience you played before or not, but I'm she glad played, it was.
1: She played, she played briefly with uh, okay. in a game of the after, but oh, it, that, okay. that didn't go very far, or very long, and so well, that's her
2: that story of her life now. <laughs> two games yeah. in a row. Just <laughs>
1: well, this is this is her first game because IGM that after game. So this ah, okay. was her first game. Uh, with without me being the GM and somebody else doing stuff. So. Well, I think
3: right. we have to build a character, and that's about all I did with that one. But oh, for
2: the after. You know
3: what I really like about the role play games is is the impromptu of it, and I can see how because that makes it fun is that you can decide oh well let's just do this instead and you know blow up the wall how about that <laughs> that's what I like about it but I can see how how especially with newer people that could be very intimidating and hard to get into.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, you saw the one guy, he just, he, he took cues pretty well, but yeah, he was, like he said he's played D and D before, but not really. And it
3: yeah, it's warm up there at the end, but yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It just takes time. You know, it's like you said, like I think if you're going to be in a, in a presence of a game like that, a, a, so a good GM and a good table should be able to eke that out of, someone who's new yeah. or nervous
1: now to that point though audrey you have a theater degree yeah so you're more nerdy than we are that gms can do to help make that transition a little bit easier for new gamers that may not have that theater degree and may be a little uncomfortable with the improv are there things that we could do to draw that out of them to make them a little more comfortable in experimenting with it that sort of stuff
3: um you know, I think just like during the game, I remember asking Scott, okay, what are my options? You know, just because I was unfamiliar with the mechanics of the game or or tradition of what you can do in these scenarios or whatever. And so just having a few options of what was available to me was helpful. Um, I, to me, the hardest part was, which dice am I using? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, roll that one again. Okay. It, it doesn't
1: the eight and the D ten are similar shaped. Yeah. It's like everybody knows what a D six is, and a D twenty right. is easy because that's the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. so so having some options available was a was a good thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to to have a clear story of you know what the environment is like what the mission is supposed to be about or as far as we know and now it's good to go get some intelligence so you know what to do next or something like that and so then then you start getting ideas about what to do
1: yeah. and, oh, and for this particular game we had an roe card which was i thought was great because for for those who don't know roe is rules of engagement if i got that right scott
2: yeah 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 <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, and it kind of outlined, here are the things you need to keep in mind. And being unfamiliar with uh, some stuff, it was great being able to to say, hey, are these considered enemy opfors? Are we going to get dinged if we take them out without uh, trying to talk to them first sort of stuff? And, and so having those rules of engagement that allowed us to keep in mind How are we supposed to be acting in this foreign country um, sort of stuff? So I think that that was useful for me as even as an experienced gamer. But uh, but yeah, I I thought it was it it was a lot of fun for me to just watch Audra go to town with her dice. Her her dice aced all the.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And she stayed on. Point. I mean, we talk about her in the third person now. She, she stayed on point, which was really interesting. And it was real fun when, because she was just willing, she was engaged in the conceit of the game. And, you know, special forces operators trying to figure out what the hell is going on, rescue a CIA asset with, you know, and she, she had done the intel work on the occult. So they were expecting some stuff, and then they had an occult meeting at the beginning, or something weird happened in the beginning. But then, but she's willing to stay on point to the point where, even role playing wise, uh, they were trying to infiltrate through stealth one point, and of course, Rich messed that up,
0: and she role
2: played the, the the moment of what well, I guess it's just a whole different mission now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah it was uh it was very much in character uh, she used a well we we'll talk about the game later because there's some really good highlights in there and then yeah
1: <laughs> well and, and and you know so this is a question I would love and maybe Scott this is something to think about for your task force Raven stuff is mm-hmm. i I went in carrying all my gear yes um and, and I don't know if that is typical or if you all when you go on missions you're like you know what i, I i'm not taking this 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 or this and so i'm not going to carry all this gear but um being at a negative two for all of my agility based roles yeah i mean i failed my role to to fast line out of the or jump out of the helicopter yeah um, it was
2: an emergency I, situation so it was like i was just making him roll they yeah were head, they were going down
3: you just needed to get your own dog. I, I, I should have had my own dog. That
2: speaking of, I added something. I don't know if you showed her her dossier deck
3: for uh,
1: I showed kennel. Her on my phone, so she didn't get to see the whole thing. Okay, about. so
2: kennel, I I made one change to it, and where her backpack says canine gear. Down below that, over the dog, I wrote Kennel's gear and put it to the k <laughs> So I will let that be a internal joke between all of us and the listeners. But, yeah. but so on, on your point, so yeah, we do carry heavy gear. You're, you're looking at 80 pounds or more. Um, and then like if you do the job that I do, I've got t- – you. so back in the day, we had 20, 25 pounds worth of batteries added on top of whatever I'm carrying. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So – It sucks to be in a game like that, but because of that, actually, I changed that on the way up. I wasn't typing on the road, but I was making memos. And so now um on that common gear side of the house, I have two choices for your characters, and it kind of can help out, I think, with a mission. So there's a full kit, which is all the gear at 20 pounds, and there's a covert option. There's a covert kit, which is uh, spe- specifically marked gear and it comes down to 10 pounds. Okay. Yeah. So does that help? Would you think?
1: Oh, yeah. That, that would have definitely helped because I probably, knowing that we're wanting to get in and out. Yeah. And we've got all these factions that we need to kind of avoid because, I mean, even the rebels, <laughs> even the rebels are fighting everybody. Yeah. You know, I always look at that as they're fighting everybody, including me. So if I can avoid the rebels, I'm going to avoid the rebel. Let's get in. Let's find the, let's find the dude and let's get out yeah. um and, and so i i probably would have opted for the uh lighter gear although this was something that was interesting as well uh for audrey i don't know if you saw this scott but as we were filling out the characters she asked me do i have to take all this stuff and, yeah. and at the time she was talking about like the primary weapon the secondary weapon all that i'm like you don't have to but you yeah. wouldn't have a weapon
2: <laughs> yeah and i mean wish well, she could have rolled with a pistol you know, yeah. had that been more comfortable. And yeah, that's, that's a, for the, for gaming wise, that's totally legit, you know, to be like, I'm not carrying all this crap. I really don't need this. And that's kind of what you guys started doing was like, well, she moved all her shit to the dog that she could.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, she, know, she's not a canine handler. She's a freaking mule handler. I
2: mean, basically. Yeah. It was just like, here dog, take my, take yeah. all my gun, all my bullets and my first K kit.
3: Yeah. So. Malik was a beast. He did it.
2: Yeah, no, solid work, but, um, yeah, so I did change that. I made a couple of quick changes too. I added some notes that I thought of while we were playing. I'm like, well, we are at 99%, but I can still change a few things here and there. (laughs) So that helped out. And then I realized I needed to have a note on how, uh, infrared works with monsters with dark vision. And so like IR deflecting grenades, the smoke grenades that use IR deflecting, um, They will inhibit dark vision just like they would anything else. Um, And then – but on the converse, if you're running an IR laser, so you can only see the laser if you have night vision on, that means a monster with dark vision, all they see is a straight line going back to wherever you are where your gun gun starts. Yeah. And so little things like that take into consideration. And then it's just – because I know that – so most gamers think that the lasers are on all the time, and they're really not because that's just suicide – and so we use our lasers for indications and points and to set things up and they don't run full time. Uh, and then once you're in the Firefly, you can click it on and go and then click off and go. Um, but that's sort of, you know, it's inside baseball. It isn't really, I can't, I can't facilitate that at a table very well. Why well, I, I can, but other GMs may not be able to, but so there's that. And then I added uh, I made a change to, to the submachine gun option. No, not submachine gun, CQB option. Um, based on a conversation we had at the table, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've got a better idea for this thing. So I changed that
1: up a little bit. So, does it include a flamethrower?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, the flamethrower is already in the game, though. The Underbarrel Flamethrower is the M33 attachment that you can either select as a weapons and tactics operator or you can uh, buy for your add part of your uh, loadout, you know. So,
3: or for your backyard to. Or for your backyard. <laughs> yeah.
2: You just have to convince your wife that it's completely legit reason to go gardening for weeds, <laughs> which still doesn't apparently not working. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's already on the way to my house, man. There you Audrey go. On our drive home. All
2: right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Put it on a shotgun.
3: There
2: you go. It's the most CQB of CQBs.
3: We just make me sneeze, so let's get rid of them. Yeah, see, there you go. But yeah.
2: No, it's good. But it is good, yeah. So I have changed a few things up, and it's like it's very eye-opening to try to run things continu- like this continuously and then have outside influences. And then, uh, yeah. And then he uh, said, so dude, the one dude who was the annoying shit, do you know, his? he chose his own handle. After sitting there, these fucking nerds, after sitting there... Watching how we were walking through the character creation process, he wrote down on his character sheet, I have an M4. He crossed out the CQB. I was like, That's fuck. It's not how it works. And uh, and then, because he's a gun dude, of course, because he, you know, so he had to be like, I was like, Bro, I don't give a shit about what you know about guns. I really don't care. It's it's a game. No one gives a shit. Like we talked about Savage Worlds, your dumb fucking M4 does the same amount of damage as any other rifle in the game, unless it's, you know, an AK, which stop. And then he he chose his own handle, and that was after we walked through. I think Rich went first, then Audra, and then new guy. And then I looked down at dude's character today, and he written down his because he left the table anyway. I guess right around right around that sweet point, but he already given himself a nickname. And remember the episode where we said nerds and geeks and shit aren't as creative and clever as they fucking think they are. Yep. Okay, I'm not even gonna make because no way you could guess it. I told Wendy, and she was she just stared at me. She's like, "What the fuck." So his handle for his special forces operator was Red Five.
0: That's, that's 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 a good one.
2: So for the listeners who think we're bullshitting when I tell you your some of your friends aren't as clever and creative as they think they are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I thought you were going to say Dark Shadow.
2: It, was, it would have been worse. <laughs> no, I mean it's just It's those things, but yeah. So that was that experience. So. I don't know if I have any more questions about gaming in general for you, Audra. I mean, you really did do a good job. For someone who's this is not your hobby or anything, I mean, she she sat down at a table and she bought into the conceit of I'm with dorks and
3: I'm going to work out.
2: Uh, Yeah, it was good. It's like refreshing to have new players, like I said, because she asked a lot of questions. Uh, and was and they're willing to buy in on oh, okay, here's what we're doing. This is what we're gonna and how okay, cool, we're gonna do that. You know. Now, I'm not saying Richard didn't do that, because he's really good about staying a conceited character and stuff. Uh, but uh like in general when you have new players, they're they're really willing to do that. And it's very refreshing. They don't get hung up on like like Audra, why did you choose a submachine gun for your character? I'm curious.
3: Uh
2: do you have a reason, or was it just like I don't know?
3: <laughs> I don't know if I had a good reason for that.
2: <laughs> but see, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, it doesn't do as much damage, and it doesn't have the range of a battle rifle or a CQB rifle or a, a marksman rifle. But
3: I think I was I was judging it off weight a little bit, and then to, just, yeah, you know,
1: she was. Really I, I think I wanted to about... just
3: put out a lot of damage, but yet not spend a whole lot on ammo either, so. You know. Yeah.
2: So that's what I'm talking about. She has the conceit of the game and the theme and the tropes without oh. being like, i will take a battle rifle because it does the most damage. <laughs> the, the, the,
1: the thing that uh, was interesting to me is she was really concerned about being encumbered.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that and, was and like...
1: I, mean, I understand that, but if my dice didn't roll the way they always do, I would have been less concerned about being encumbered. Well, sure. Like, My son, when he plays, uh, and I think we talked about this before, uh, but when my son played a wizard in my Savage Worlds game, we used the no power points rule, which means that you don't have to worry about power points, but every time you cast a spell, that roll is modified by half of the power points required. So if a spell requires two power points to activate, you roll that activation roll at a minus one. And then if you put on, um, a modifier that adds to your modifier or to your negative modifier, right? So if I want to do a 3d6 bolt, a uh, bolt costs two power points and that, uh, extra damage costs another two power points. Now you're looking at four power points. So that's a minus two to your roll. My son will sit there and stack up like three or four modifiers and he's making a roll at a minus four just to activate a single power and he does it really well. That, that <laughs> does not affect him. I'm like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to make anything with a minus two. <laughs> so Yeah. But but I, I I did find it interesting that she was that, that Audra was concerned about being over encumbered.
2: So why was that? Was that because it's the your character concept of being a canine handler and like fast and nimble or was it just
3: um, I think it was a lot more, um, ignorant than that. Oh, wow. <laughs> in, in that, uh, well, when I first wrote everything down, I was probably what, 12 pounds over 13. something like that. Yeah. Over. yeah. And, um, and I didn't know that that was a bad thing. I didn't know there was a penalty to that. Sure. So, so once you guys, you know, I asked, oh, well, is that okay? And you started laughing. <laughs> so i like, pa- power
2: gamer this? Rich.
3: They're gonna kill me with this if I don't do something. So yeah.
2: No, so yeah, it really it was Rich min-maxing his way through the character creation process. <laughs> but but also what people need to realize, and I know people are like, Well, it doesn't sound fun, but you have to understand too is that your characters in Ravens start um, with four advancements. It's not for you guys, it's for the audience, for anyone listening, and also just in general. So you start with four advancements, which starts you off on a pretty good foot, plus I, we have extra core skills because you've gone through special forces selection. And so a lot of those core, a lot of those skills you're going to buy anyway, like fighting and survival and shooting are already also done for you. And if you look at the over encumbrance, the amount of gear you carry with you as an operator, you have an answer for almost every, every problem. But you're good, but you also it's uh, it's one of those factors of like, oh, there is some reality that can level this back out to where we need to be for, you know, like, I guess I would say novice characters or even like you're not going to you're going to overwhelm your opponents. Like had Rich not decided to do what he did with his gun, you know, they could have walked through a lot of these uh, these um, extras like butter. Which isn't the intention in the wild cards, but it just went flippity flopping on. It's like it can happen in Savage <laughs> World, so that's kind of where the encumbrance comes into play. As it's it's that real it's that reality factor of like, oh man, these guys carry a lot of shit, but they are. I mean, you guys could have handled any situation. I, well, I guess that's that's a statement. Let me ask: Do you feel your characters could have handled anything that got thrown at them based on the gear loadouts that you had in your selections? The,
3: I'll let Audra first. The humans. The, the the twist in
1: that is the monster <laughs> yeah
3: didn't have monster guns so I don't
2: know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we talked about that too right is like you gotta f- try to hope you can figure out if you meet a monster you know what's decrypted in the area you know it's not like like you guys wouldn't have went directly after a monster I don't think you probably would have knowing how you play you know that you did this the, the the logic is. We need to figure out what this monster is, maybe do a surveillance on it, figure out where it goes, figure out how it behaves. Let's do some occult lore, look some things up, get some better ideas. And then, yeah, that's how that comes into play of like, oh, we know some of its immunities and we also know some of its weaknesses if it has them, so let's yeah. do this. Or it might be straight up like, oh, okay, bitch, you're a ghoul. That's cute because bullets still go through you like they do anything else. Yep. You know, well, what you and,
1: and, you know, what's fun for me in that game is – there were choices that we had to make. And the new guy, the other new guy that was playing with us, um, he did some stuff that I, I probably would not have done, but it was cool that he did. Because he's like, I want to save the pilots because this ship's going down. So That was look. totally
2: crazy cool. Yeah.
1: And so the fact that he did that was cool. Um, the new mechanic that you introduced where we have that support person. So oh, we the Raven Cell, yeah. Person us as well and we were able to get to a place where let's stash our gear so we're not going in over encumbered now And so we all like offloaded stuff that we didn't think we would need immediately but we could come back and get it because we had a sniper who was protecting it right um so i really liked that aspect of it and that did allow me to have a few moments where i could shine i of course crit fail my stealth roll and <laughs> Uh, take a self mission and sort of go, hey, everybody, here we are.
3: <laughs> Literally kick the can.
1: But but at the same <laughs> <Yeah>. time, <laughs> that same combat thing, um, <sighs> I'm able to knife a ghoul in the head and take it out in one shot, even with all the penalties, um, yeah. which was a lot of fun. And so it's like my dice <laughs> accomplished some things. Yeah. Just uh, it, 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 they usually cause more problems than than I need, and yeah. they, they they played true to that. So,
2: <laughs> man, yeah, but it was fun, good, and, cool.
1: and I do not regret going to the con.
2: <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't, I don't either. Like I said, I got to hang out with people, so it, that was, that's fine. Just disappointed in the con, but not the not the experience with you guys. I don't know, uh, Santa. Anything else you want to know or? No, you guys
0: have covered it really well, and you've saved me my voice since... uh, Do you want to know
2: about the game at all I do want
0: to know know about the game. I've been waiting patiently.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, how do you want to do it? Do you want the players to tell you what they remember, and then I can fill in the blanks?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. And also, thank you guys for doing most of the talking. Uh,
3: no, that's uh, good. To our
0: listeners from last week, you probably noticed that my voice was starting to go. And yeah, it kind of sucks right now. So this is great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
0: go on. Continue. Okay, so that.
1: Otter told me that I have to go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we started off in um, A Little Bird, which is... A a helicopter were flying in low and fast over the water. Uh, Our intel that we'd received is uh, a CIA operative had disappeared. Uh, We knew that there was human sacrifice, confirmed human sacrifice going on in that area. We knew that there was occult influences somewhere. Uh, We didn't know exactly what type or any of that stuff, but we knew that there was a cartel. Uh, we knew that there were rebel forces that were fighting everybody, cartel, government, uh, you name it. There were the local law enforcement in the area. Um, and so we had our rules of engagement where we could only, uh, we had to conduct ourselves properly and we had to minimize, uh, any civilian casualties, that sort of stuff. Um, and so we, we, uh, are flying in and there's some weirdness stuff going on. So the dog. uh,
3: Well, first of all, we wanted some Intel from whatever agent or whatever was flying with us. And so since my deal was intimidation, I just whistled for the dog to growl real loud, you know, (laughs) that was
1: after we got on. Oh, wait, wait, no, it
3: was in the, in the bird. Yeah.
1: So we're trying to get some, so we could get Intel from like, Imagery, terrain, weather, all that sort of stuff, and we could use whichever skill we wanted. So, Audra had the dog help uh, intimidate some some folks, so we could get some additional intel uh, as we we're flying in. And that's how we filled in some of the blanks, right? We we knew that uh, from imagery. We knew there was a coastline that we were going to be going into. We knew that there was a resort, there was a town, there was. Um, a a drug, like, like the cartel area,
3: um, there was jungle beyond the town and a river that flowed back into the water and that's how they did their drug runs or whatever. Yeah.
1: And the cartel was into anything, right? Human trafficking, drugs, guns, whatever. Uh, they, they did it all and they used the rivers uh, as ways to get out of, get out of their, uh, that country to start doing the smuggling stuff um so as we're flying in then the dog was like went all kinds of crazy uh which told kennel that it was um there was something supernatural going on and for the dog to be aware of it especially with all of the and scott did a great job of describing what the helicopter was like like Loud noises, lots of thumping,
3: right the smell board. of
1: the, the fuel <laughs> that, that leaks in, um, and, and all that stuff. But even for that, w- even with all that, the dog was still able to pick up on the supernatural stuff, and that's when we all decided, oh, we got to bail, and then thing hit the hit the helicopter, and then we really had to jump. Um, and so th- that was my first failed role. <laughs> so, uh then, uh, so we're in the water now, we we're supposed to be going to this tugboat. And we had to determine, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to go to the tugboat? Or are we not? We're about a mile from shore. And that that's when I had my first successful role. Even with all the penalties of being in the water, being fatigued, being over encumbered, all that stuff, I was still able to get a shot off at whatever it was that hit the helicopter. And then that Thing started going crazy went down and attacked the tugboat. And so it destroyed where we were supposed to be going. We're like, okay, well, let's go to shore uh, sort of thing. And at that point, we were on land. We need to get some intel, but we need to find a place to stash the two pilots that, that uh, Mr. Boom had saved. Uh, one of them was unconscious. And so we had to find a place where we could stash them, let them get some first aid and throw some of our gear and then we started looking for bums so that we could try and see uh, if they knew anything about our contact, the well, CIA contact. We had
3: a lot of discussion of of which way to go, you know, where we wanted to start. and Do we get involved with the cartel right away or not? Or do we go to town or do we not go to town? Do we sneak around? You know, there's a lot of discussion about that. I kind of like the fact that everybody was involved in deciding what to do um we decided we needed intel and a place to stash stuff so we did that and and then they're like okay well the discussion was who do we get intel from and i'm i'm like well we don't <laughs> want to talk to the police. we don't want to talk to the cartel we don't want to talk to the townspeople probably but they're supposedly they're really suspicious so let's just find some drunkard that's passed out in the alley and then you know do a little intimidation and find out so that's what we did
1: I, I thought we should get costumes and try and blend in, but
3: <laughs> and I was like, well, um, what are you going to put on the dog?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was the only stopping point of everyone. Cause people were like, okay. And she's like, dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Karen had this thing for the dog. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we, we found some, some people who would seen our contact and they kind of led us to the tortilla factory, and we're like tortilla factory. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then we we made our way there, and Mister Boom has zero stealth, and so the two people that have the stealth, me and uh, Kennel, or, or Vanity and Kennel, were like, okay, we'll sneak up and we'll take out the two guards that that we see on the street because we wanted to go in quietly. And as we're going in, of course, that's when I crit fail and kick a can right to the feet of the, the two guards. <laughs> they, they, like, look up at me. And I'm like, <laughs> why did I look at him? Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I had the high card. But unfortunately, I, am like, I, I, I swear I was like a noob. It's like, I'm just going to go full auto. Why
2: <laughs> that? Yeah, that was the worst choice. <laughs> yeah.
3: Like. So it turned into this wild gunfight yeah. and, and Mr. Boom finally got smart and put down some cover with smoke and so I was able to sneak off. That I
2: actually surprised me off. he put the smoke yeah. grenade out. Yeah. Did
3: sorry. You see
2: that? Sorry, yeah, sorry. That that surprised me he threw a smoke grenade out before doing any other actions. That was neat. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, with Audra, like she said, she also didn't do a normal new player thing of like, oh, we're just gonna dump rounds into these two cartel thugs. She just was like, no, I'm, I'm juking, taking an oblique path and I'm going to come around the su- the back end of the building, you know, or get into a flanking position. So i sorry, go ahead.
1: No, you're good. Uh, and so that's what, you, that's what she did. And I'm, I'm like standing in the smoke going, cool.
3: Still shooting at nothing.
1: Well, no. <laughs> no, no, because they got, they got to go before us the second round. So they oh, shot yeah. at us. Then they had the initiative on top of us. And so that's when uh, you took out one of them because they started attacking us. She took out, no, that was the bull guy, right?
3: Yeah, I didn't shoot. I don't think I ever shot anybody.
1: I don't know. This is where. Um, I don't (laughs) think you did either. Right. So we had two guards. Um, We know that people are alerted. So we've got people that are coming to us and we ended up having to take out the, the two guards. But by the time that happened. Then there were some ghouls on top of us, and uh, one of them attacked uh, Mr. Boom and actually had him, but they, they completely missed me. And so Audra took out my guy because Mr. Boom said, I've got a plan, and so she didn't help him.
3: Well, rewind though, because while you guys were having your crazy firefight in the smoke, <laughs> so you were on the, side of the building and Three guys with guns were coming toward me, and so I snuck around a car and asked the question, Okay, so can I just blow them up? I mean, I've got this car here, let's just throw the grenade in the car. And that was funny, that was fun for me because I could ask questions and say, Is this a possibility? And Scott's like, Hey, yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, no,
2: actually, it's uh, it can't happen that (laughs) way. (laughs) <laughs> so to set the scenes, too, it was like 0-2-30 in the morning for anyone wondering why they were sneaking around <laughs> like that. It was very, very dark out. It's a favela. And so and they had night vision, and the enemy does not. So go ahead.
3: Yeah, so I blew up the car, which blew a hole in the wall, which we decided later that that had actually happened, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah. we, we at some point wanted to get into the building because we saw a figure on the second floor. but And so that was kind of my idea of um hello
1: Sorry. <laughs> no you're
2: good
3: it's kind of my idea of sneaking around the side because that was still our objective was to you know figure out what was going on and we knew that there was a like a cargo truck being loaded or unloaded in the back and so i wanted to find out what was going on there since you know no one could see me because they they were busy <laughs> so <laughs> Um, ended up getting rid of the three guys with guns, but blew a hole in the wall of the building. And by the time Vanity and Mister Boom came around the corner, the well ghouls now now, I, out now I, need hole. I need to pause. I need to
1: pause <laughs> you for a second and rewind. Okay, <laughs> because after the two guards have been taken taken care of, oh, and I think Mister Boom took both of them out, right? Because he he did a multi action three round burst, I think. Yes. Yeah, so. And yeah. Took, anyway, the guards died. And as the smoke was no. getting ready to clear...
2: Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, no, no, no. You guys never did take out the original two that you guys got.
1: <laughs> no. You oh, never did. Right. Yeah. So, so while the smoke was still there, uh, Mr. Boom saw a figure that was on the second floor, which we figured was El Cardinal because we saw that he was up there. Suddenly he was no longer there. He was on the ground. Like one instant, he's on the second floor, The next instant, he's on the ground. And so when that happened, Mr. Boom changed targets and shot him and did massive damage, which was awesome. Audra kept getting jokers dealt to her. Uh, So she was doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the jokers. But yeah, so the Cardinal got taken out. We snuck around (laughs) the other two guys, and we let the cops and the firefighters kind of distract them. Uh, as we continued sneaking on to follow where Kennel was going. And that's when the uh, ghouls attacked us. She took out my ghoul. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Boom couldn't take all, his out. I went
3: all uh, Apache with my tomahawk there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
1: So she, yeah, she she went with the tomahawk for the melee. Um, and then Mr. Boom could not take his ghoul out. And that's where I got to have my moment where I walk up and just, Stick my knife in the ghoul's head, and told him not to play with Malik's food. <laughs> and then, uh, then we broke for lunch.
3: Yeah, and then Scott got <laughs> hungry, so
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. It was getting so late
2: because by then it was like almost two thirty, three o'clock.
1: Yeah, it was about two two thirty. Yeah,
2: yeah, somewhere in there. So yeah, so that was kind of it.
1: It sounds like a lot of
0: fun playing. Have only played once that game myself. I know <laughs> it was tons of fun, and I was actually while while you guys were kind of talking, I was I was thinking back, and uh, when me and Finder when we played it, I like I didn't I kind of just realized this, but we were also concerned about weight while we were playing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it it's weird because Scott, I think somehow you have actually made a game where people care about. <laughs>
2: Well, encumbrance and bullets matter because like Rich, when Rich, Rich has what your battle rifle was, what, our uh, rate of fire three, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. And so rate of fire three is, I don't know, is that five rounds going out?
1: Ten. So when I did. Ten ten rounds. Three, it was ten rounds.
2: Yeah. So he did a, he basically, he mag dumped and then had to reload another mag because he got a battle rifle. only has 20 rounds. And so, and he only has six mags and that's it. And once he's done with those mags, he, he's not getting more mags. So then he drops his battle rifle. And that's where the, like some of the, the, the more non general weapons is like, Oh, well, there's cartels. So I pick up an AK and you know, we go from there and no, the AK rounds is a different caliber. And that's kind of in the book as an optional rule. But me, I wouldn't be like, no, your AK or you can put those rounds inside your battle rifle. Cause I, I know better. That's not going to happen because an AK-47 is not a battle rifle. Sorry, all you haters. Um, <laughs> it just is what it is. It's an actual assault rifle. Uh, yeah. So, but that was kind. Of, yeah. But yeah, like bu- uh, you know, uh, bullets and weights, Like your supplies matter. You know, and like for your guys, when you talk about that covert covert kit, two of the things that are removed are food and water because I assume you're going in covert and so you're not carrying that with you because you're probably in tactical civvies or civilian clothes and you got like, you know, sling bags and you're trying to blend in you're going to go to a restaurant and you know, it just, that's the intention of it. You know, it's, it's uh, a a different thing. So, but I want to make choices all around for every game and it's sort of those choices like, shit, I don't have food or water. Well, I got survival, so I guess I'll be okay. Hopefully.
3: I had
2: chocolate. I was okay. She did have chocolate and I was, yeah. yeah. She did talk about
1: snacks in her bag.
2: True statement. And that would have come into play at some point had we been able to play a little bit longer or gone different direction. (laughs) As soon as she said it, I was like, okay, we use candy all the time. So (laughs) it would have worked. And for a hot minute, I was like, maybe they're going to just offer chocolate to the bums. But no, she uh, actually offered the dog to the bums. And uh, I don't mean like to eat. I mean to stand there and growl and shit, and intimidate the shit out of them. Because <laughs> their intimidation yeah, is like a was, D10.
1: One part that was fun as well, because I got to shine again with my languages, yeah. right? So yeah. um, I, I got to speak flawless Spanish and even... Ke- Quechua. Quechua. Yeah. Like, I can see the spelling. I just couldn't tell you how to pronounce it. So how did
2: you it? like how the language is done that you actually have to roll it if it's not a native language,
1: oh, th- th- that's how I do it anyway. So th- that was oh, fine nice. For- that's okay, that's how I figured it would be.
2: Nice, very cool. And then I think Audra's character had busted-ass Spanish as well. It had a D four, so
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> now, the one thing that I I will say is talking about this in, in the encumbrance piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I, I talked with Scott about this earlier. Is I don't like worrying about a lot of stuff. So in most of the games that I run, I don't worry about encumbrance, but there are games where I do. And that was like when I played the after, um, I I enforced encumbrance because I wanted to get that feeling of, I need this stuff and now I've got to make choices. Do I want to carry all of this stuff with me or risk not having something that I might need in this post-apocalyptic setting? And so I, I do think that looking at those types of rules can really change the feel of a game. And so I, I love the fact that encumbrance is a necessary part for task force Raven, because it makes those decisions a little bit harder. It's like, Oh man, I'm going <laughs> into this thing, no, and am I going to need that first aid kit or am I not going to need that first aid kit? Um, and, and so I, I think that for, Game Masters, looking at what rules you might not normally enforce, are there ways or are there games where you might want to enforce those rules to evoke a different feeling for that particular game um so like like when I run fantasy, I never worry about incumbents. I'm like, whatever, carry what you want um yeah. which is why you have fighters running around with ten different swords and <laughs> like, like all pieces it's, it's your like, fault. Yeah. <laughs> Not not realistic, yeah. but you know what? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but for this game, I, I, I like the Encumbrance World because it, it does make it a little bit more
0: realistic,
1: realistic so. a little bit more tactical. Uh, you got to think about things. And and the fact that we were doing Hard Choices was also fun.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a blast for me. I was enjoying the shit out of that.
1: So, And for those who don't know, with Savage Worlds Hard Choices is the GM does not start out with any bennies at all. Um, they get the bennies that we spend, and so the, the, I think there's a reason Scott throws me. I, I was just sitting there looking dumb, and Scott throws me a benny. So it's like,
2: no, you guys, no, it's not true. You guys did really well at your characters. I mean, there was, I think the first Benny thrown was to Audra, and that was during the, uh, that was, I think that was the intel gathering phase, and it, I feel like maybe I didn't explain it correctly at the time. But that's when Audra – that's when she had chided me and she's like, like I, was, I have a theater degree and I need to understand how like we're gathering this intelligence. And so I was like, oh, okay. Let me roll back and here's like – imagine a global network that you have access to case officers and NSA tasking and satellites in orbit and anything you could think of. And so there's like the human and SIGINT and comet. You can get um, – Geo mapping, anything you think of of a discipline of gathering intelligence. And here's kind of the skills that you're going to roll. And that's kind of you interpreting what's coming in. And that's how I explained it to her. I was like, so, you know, she wanted to use interrogation, I think, because it was really high. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, you know, just imagine that when you're doing this, you have tasked out an asset and there is, there's an interrogation that took place with somebody. And so your intimidation role is going to translate into information gathered by that interrogation process that was going down. Um, and so that's how they got that. And then, you know, every character only gets one topic area. They can, they can choose from. i also shifted to that in the rules today too. So I was like, you choose one topic area per character, which is fine because it's supposed to be fast. It's, you only have to, you basically have a 24 hour period of role playing that you're getting this and you're getting intelligence. So you got to really choose what you want to know from the team and let's, and let's everyone in the team, it's kind of like a dramatic task or a, or a group quick task, right, <laughs> for the team to do. So everyone can be like, oh, I'm going to do it. She did a cult. Rich did uh, ter, ter, no terrain. Mr. Boom did terrain. Mr. Yep. Boom did terrain. Rich did um imagery. imagery right. And so how it was is like a success and a raise. And so now I've, I've changed the verbiage a little bit to where you still do that. But now – Your success will give you the general piece of information that you can glean from the intel and a raise will let you make a choice of you can get further intelligence on that data set or you can get a success on a new topic. So if you chose a cult and like Audra got two or two raises or something like that, she could have said, "Okay, I got the general knowledge and one raise. I'm going to use one. Give me one. Cryptid that's known to operate in the area and for the second race i'm gonna jump that over and i'm gonna pull in culture and i want to know uh something on top of culture which could have been like hey by the way most of these people speak keshua you know and so that would have given rich time to be like oh shit i will i i, I could open them in keshua to build those cultural differences you know, but I that didn't, that wasn't at the time, but now that's how the game plays out. So I wanted to be able to make raises. I want raises to matter more than just, oh, yay, let's celebrate you rolled to 57, but really it doesn't matter. And so we've, I think I've done that with even with the intelligence gathering portion. But how did you guys like that intelligence gathering portion? You can shit on, you can shit on any of this, by the way. If something didn't work out or anything, this is a good time for everyone to hear and for me to no.
1: hear. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I liked it. I mean, it, it was a way for us to get, additional information and we had to choose what we felt was going to be important. So, um,
3: well, and it started out so sparse. I mean, we hardly knew anything. So we needed some sort of starting points or something like that. And so the intelligence gathering, intelligence gathering was good.
2: So did you guys like that? How it starts out of like, Hey, no shit. Now you're on alert. You're getting, you're getting on the bird. You're, you got to make some hard choices right now of your intelligence gathering capabilities because what you know is what you know. And once you hit the ground, it, it's on. It's game on. Yeah, uh, like and that. then, did you guys like that, or did it feel? I guess you know, I, I don't know if, if it felt if it felt good and it felt normal or fun. That, that's what's important. And then also, I don't let people. And I, it's in the rule book. If you don't, they didn't choose their gear until after they got all their intelligence. And I wanted that to be one of the last things a team does. Is it, it may feel unrealistic, but I really don't care. It's like, because we can carry a lot of gear on a, on a birds and shit, or even when we're going out. Because imagine 24 hours isn't you flying on an MH6, you know, because that's not going to make it that far. But it's you going on a transpo to another thing, taking a hop. Now you're going to this thing. Now you're picking up a little bird and you're going in. So by the time you're on that little bird, really is, you're already, like, I, I think we talked about that. That's a mission start. And so up to that point is I let them, hey, now, you know, everything, go ahead and choose your gear. And that kind of helps your character shape what you know, too, because it's like, oh, we're going in this place. So I probably won't need like, you know, an assault ladder. So I'm not taking that.
3: Yep. Well, and I like the fact that that it was quick to get started. You know, I mean, once we got our characters and stuff like that, here's the mission. Go find some intelligent and go. You know, I mean, it was, it was quick. There wasn't like these drag on set the stage dramatic, whatever, you know, that got bored or even got to play. So, yeah. yeah,
2: was- Good. They started in an operator bar and then uh, an old operator came in and he was like, I, I need to take this totally not magic ring. <laughs> We're taking this magazine back. Now it was pretty fast. And then like sh- Audra mentioned something about it, a passing on her rate. It wasn't even a, f- oh, it's not a hindrance. She just mentioned it. And that was an immediate note. She was had a thing with for bats, like a negative thing for bats. And I was like, Oh, let me file that away. Because I already told her during the no, it was she had said it. And then because she had to get her handle first, which is they called her kennel because her character is just like a hot mess, I guess is what she looks like. <laughs> and that's how she described her. And then uh, she had mentioned bats. And then so when she was asking about the occult, she got enough information, enough raises to get some info. And I, I was deliberately put in there the uh, uh, the kamatots, uh, which are the, like, death bats uh, aligned to a South American, uh, like, death vampire god. So I was like, oh, you make, making this too easy. So, and then they mentioned it on the ground at some point, and then she role-played it very well. Like, shit.
1: <laughs> it was fun. It was, it, it was a really good time.
2: Cool, cool. I think there was only one point you where know, I got real nervous about the game's conceit, and I was even texting my buddy that night before we went to dinner. And it was, because uh, there was that brief moment of like, not not really sure what to do next or how to proceed. And I was like, oh man, this is where my knowledge may be overweighing, like a game. And so that's when I was like. I so think I think it was Audrey who was like, "Well, how could we?" Well, I asked you guys, "Do you want you want like a a nudge and how how you could proceed from here?" Because it was a little confusing yeah. uh, on what to do. And I was like, "Well, you could try to roll up a cartel member and Terry get the dog piss out of them. You can do the same to law." And I even warned you guys, I said, "Hey, this is gonna get really brutal." But when you're operators, you don't give a shit uh, about who you're talking to. So you could roll up a uh, law enforcement, go to work on them. Go to work on a local you could you know try to find out where the rebels are you can head on deeper inland you know where the rebels operate out of sort of you know they're back there somewhere you know the cartel had a smuggling route and so and that was my only nervous point it was like oh man you know but i'm my buddy was like look man everyone reads tom Clancy. they all play video games and shit so i think you'll be all right because most people won't design a mission the way i designed it
3: so well, I think that's the only part where we got a little bit stuck is that, yeah. you know, we survived the plane crash and all that kind of stuff and swam to shore, but mm, which end of shore are we going to and what's yeah. there? So it was good to like yeah. you throw some stuff out there and then we made a decision and went on.
1: Well, and, and-, and my biggest hang up for me is I've got you running the game.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know how
1: things go. And I'm like, I don't want to look like an idiot. I want to look like I know what I'm talking about. This is a friend of mine. I don't want to look. look <laughs> no, like you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: fine. No. no, you guys are fine. You're really, your, guys are fine. You did really well. I had a, I had a good time running it, and, you know, and like I said at the end, I did. You know, I know. Audrey, Rich said, kept saying Audrey wanted to finish the game, and I felt bad. I felt really bad. That was crushing my heart. But I was like, <laughs> we're just not going to do this. And so I was like, I'll just walk you guys through how it was going, how it was going to end, and. You know, ultimately, she was hearing these noises inside this moving van kind of thing, and she was torn between rescuing her teammates who were about to be murdered by a pack of ghouls, and uh, were investigating. And you know, I even I even tempted her with a benny, and she she held she she held out. She actually stuck to her hindrance, which was good. And she went to rescue uh, Richie's character, and uh, so. But I told him like the pack of ghouls, the ghouls are coming from you know El Cardinal and his abilities, and then. So, and then they're using the, because um, in, in Raven, every living thing has psyche as a derived trait, and they basically had the CIA asset in the back of that moving van around all these cadavers, and they were using his psyche to drain off and use as a zombie power, essentially. And so that's what would have happened had she gone there. would be like a horrific satanic ritual occurring, and then, you know, like the living dead on top of ghouls coming at him.
1: And it would have been great to make a fear, like uh, see the fear check at that point.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, and then but you know. only
1: the way she rolls dice. I mean,
2: yeah, it wouldn't have mattered.
3: She well, would have yawned at it. Like, there were yeah. bats in the truck, so I was okay.
2: Well, no, and that was my plan for El Cardinal. Is you know, I was gonna have him when he was coming at you. That's what he was gonna do. I was gonna have you. We were gonna you know have to make a notice, and if you had noticed it. You were going to see his movement and come like running at you and then turn into that swarm of bats that took down your helicopter and then appear next to you in melee. And we would have went from there. But then he got shot in the spine. Yeah. (laughs) He got fucking three round bursted three times. (laughs) And that killed him. But that actually... And that also that led to a change in the in the in the carbine the CQB carbine, so and I like the change I made to it. I was like, this thing is a, has a very cool potential because I always wrestle with like, why take a battle rifle if I can just take a carbine, or you know, vice versa. What am I getting extra damage? Okay, whichever. And then so I made a change to the carbine, and I think people will enjoy that more.
1: So, and that's where playtesting helps people.
2: Yeah, I mean, which is near for for people who have backed it and they are listening, they're like, what do you mean you're still playtesting it? I mean, you have to understand that the game is done, done, but there's little tweaks that have to get made here and there. Like I added an underbarrel flamethrower because I got an ad from Palmetto State. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not hard. And then, you know, the layout is just really beginning. We're finalizing the cover. I'm still waiting on a piece of art anyway, but, you know, we'll have the books in no time. They'll be done by August. So. I can technically probably ship them early. So I'm excited for mine.
1: Me too. So
2: that's, that's, that's Thunder. That was, uh, operation Thunder Oak.
1: Oh, that was Thunder Oak.
2: That was Thunder Oak. Just little twists and turns to make it more, uh, applicable to your characters as you made it. Like I said, I kind of, I had to, every time you guys had mentioned something or I asked you questions, I had to make a mental note of where to go. Cause like I had the beginning, like, I know what we're going to do. I know where you're going. And I have all the intel down from that. The Ouija board was spread out. Um, and it's not a real Ouija board for listeners. It's what we call, well, uh, what's I name your conspiracy board, essentially, if you'll have a handful of things and you'll know things that Jim about them, but then there'll be common pieces of information you can give the characters. Like, El Cardinal was an actual religious figure in the church, but he wore the, you know, crimson red robes uh, and people seem to have, you know, he didn't get along too well with people. Okay, well, if he's on the Ouija board, it's going to raise suspicions anyway, but you never know. I don't think you guys had any inkling that this guy would be a, a fucking walking ghoul, you know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, I mean, like, he could be a vampire, especially with the bat thing. And it was like, no, he was a wild card ghoul, so they have the uh, shape change ability as a wild card ghoul. Um, so, yeah, it was that. And then I saw I how to keep getting, when she said bats, I was like, I know exactly how it's going to happen. Because I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to get that chopper out of the air. And then uh, I was like, "Oh, it's fucking so easy!" Oh man.
3: <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, yeah,
2: that was good. And then a few other things. And then the pop of smoke. And then the car thing. I was like, "Yeah, you can throw your M67, which is a frag grenade, in that car. I don't give a shit. Blow the fuck up. Put that. <laughs> put that. Let's get that medium burst template or that large burst template down and roll them 3d6. And she just murderized three cartel members.
3: <laughs> you know,
2: blew a goddamn hole in the wall, and then there's monsters pouring out of the hole in the wall. So. But it yeah, like like I said, that was all pretty much on the fly. After the heli- the hilo heli went down, that the rest of it was impromptu on the fly. <laughs> That's
3: kind of what I found the most fun. So
2: yeah. Oh yeah, good, good. Oh man,
1: nice. Now so, we're at one and a half hours. So yeah, I was
0: going. to Yeah, worry. sorry, I just saw that. Man. No, 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 it was uh, I, I, I was enjoying it. Don't worry. I would have cut you guys off if I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, I got. Do I have any questions? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I have one for Audra. Are you yeah. going to play? Uh, are you going to play with us sometime?
3: <laughs> you want
2: me to? Oh my god!
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: Audra, do you like the idea of venturing into a land that's controlled <laughs> by a vampire lord, and you can't escape unless you kill the vampire lord? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> santa do you want to make an announcement to the listeners about what they're going to start seeing on the on the uh
0: so what we are doing guys uh just a heads up we are planning to do uh, we're playing a game of 5e but more so <laughs> more so we're doing a hardcore version of curse of strad that's going to be yeah. a lot of fun and uh i'm going to try and act serious
2: Yeah, it's grimdark 5e, so, like, by the rules, but there's no fucking owl people adventuring in the goddamn vampire (laughs) land. That's not happening.
1: That's what I wanted to play. Yeah, not Uh, happening.
0: I was already kiboshed for the tortles, so... um,
2: Yeah, it's also not happening. Uh, No robot people, no dumb shit like that. Yeah, I know, I can't help it. Gothic horror, I have an expectation. It's not a bunch of fucking furries running around trying to murder people (laughs) like yeah yeah yes yes the uh the totally not Romani people want to have a conversation with you and do tarot readings for you.
0: Fuck you out of here. <laughs> But on that note, folks, uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, if you like this episode, uh, you know, subscribe and send us an email on, at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com. If you hated this episode, send me a tweet on Twitter at rpsmartpeople. Uh, I hope you have a good week and see you next time. Oh, Hey Scott, I picked up a yeah. par- uh, a set of Zoki dice.
2: Oh, nice, Zaki. First off, but yeah, we'll get you there. Nice, mm-hmm. you get the whole set for a meet- Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna run DCC for these nerds for a one shot, and then <laughs> Santa nerd is gonna run. I think I gave him his new favorite game on oh, Earth, see. which is yeah, with Mutant Crawl. What
0: do then, you know?
2: It's right up your. What I say, it's right up your alley. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> I can definitely see. Uh, I, I like how we just continue the episode afterwards. Fine, uh,
2: you can edit it out
0: oh fuck no um i i i i totally want to try and figure out how to implant Oddworld into there or oh, i think you could yeah i think pretty easily yeah anyways see you guys later bye-bye Tschüss.